the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. Hello, welcome to XR Star, your monthly podcast where we talk all things extended reality and the metaverse. I'm your host, futurist Amelia Coleman. If you're a regular listener, then you've probably heard me say before that gaming is the model for the metaverse. Like gaming, our 2D internet is becoming more 3D, immersive, persistent, and social, offering us virtual presence in virtual spaces. It is also one of the key drivers behind VR adoption. It's recently been revealed that over 1.5 billion has been spent on games and apps in the MetaQuest store. 40 of those titles have earned over $10 million in revenue, and the number of titles to reach 20 million has doubled year over year. This interest in full immersion gaming has now spilled over into location-based entertainment, where people can physically come together to share the same virtual reality experience. Today, the location-based VR market has been projected to grow at a compound annual global rate of almost 33%, signifying big opportunity in this market. A couple weeks ago, I had the pleasure of visiting the Park Playground VR, a brand new fully immersive VR experience located in Bridley Place in Birmingham. There I found that, yes, I am still terrified to walk the plank. In this experience, a board is on the ground, but in a headset, it appears that you are hundreds of stories in the air. And while intellectually one might understand that you're not really at risk of a death drop, the body and mind are tricked into believing that it's actually happening. Luckily, Connor, one of my hosts, let me grab onto his arm and I was able to complete the mission. But this is a great example of the power of VR. Usually groups who are there for birthday parties, corporate team building activities, or just on a day or night out, move on to individual gaming experiences before going into the group game. But I skipped straight to it, going full immersive into Mission Planet X, where me and my two cohorts, Paul and Ruben, were tasked with saving the world by capturing the energy crystal from a group of hostile aliens. Within seconds, I completely lost myself in this virtual world, shooting aliens, working collaboratively with teammates, jumping, dodging, and twisting, fully immersed inside the game. So much so that I completely forgot about time, and when it was over, I was shocked to learn that we had been in the game for 30 minutes. With a menu of games to choose from, I am absolutely looking forward to my next visit and trying out more soon. To anyone listening who hasn't yet tried location-based VR experiences, don't be afraid. It's really cool. Following my visit, I have invited the park CEO, Peter Vindevogel, to be my guest today. And I'm excited to learn more about location-based VR. Welcome, Peter. Hi, Amelia. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, it's great. So to kick things off, 
How do you describe the park to people? Well, um, very briefly, for me, the park is the future of entertainment, if you ask me. Um, to make it more concrete, we are, uh, like you said, a location-based VR chain. We're at this moment available in uh, four countries, Belgium, Netherlands, UK, and Australia, and on uh, uh, 13 locations. And people come to the park to get maybe the easiest introduction in the metaverse um, a lot of people that come to the park, when they put off the glasses, they say, now finally I understand what virtual reality is about. Now finally I understand what the metaverse is about. I think we made entering the metaverse as easy as, as entering a Starbucks. That's a great way to describe it. And how did you personally first get into virtual reality and location-based entertainment? And when did you first realize that there was an opportunity there? Well, I have a, a long career in entertainment, uh, but it was uh, mainly um, video entertainment. I actually come from the from the world of the streaming services. I um, I was the head of a local streaming service uh, here in Belgium and have a lot of experience with uh, with uh, video content, with content rights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the classical entertainment world, let's say. And it was somewhere in 2017, 2018, that we were discussing, okay, what do we think is the future of entertainment? How do we look at the future? And, and what we quickly came across was that we really thought that the future of entertainment, we couldn't really imagine what it exactly would be, but we knew it would be about, on one hand, experiences. And secondly, that those experiences would be a, a mix of the real world and the digital world. The, world, the word metaverse didn't exist yet, but that was actually what we were talking about at that moment without knowing it. Um, but it was a time where, for example, we had the first Pokemon Go uh, challenges and stuff like that. And that's where we started building the story of, uh, of, of the park and where quickly we saw that, uh, uh, that the possibilities of mixed reality, virtual reality, gave us uh, already some great opportunities to create complete new entertainment experiences that really immerse people in, um, in a complete new world. And one key element that we decided to put into it is that we wanted to create experiences that connect people. There's a lot of experiences, there's a lot of digital that puts people apart. Now, the crucial thing that we want to do when it comes to the park is that we want to connect people. That's what we do every day. We bring people together. You cannot come to the park to play experiences on your own. You can do that at home in your, um, uh, with your Oculus. But the experiences you play at the park are always uh, group experiences because we want to bring people together. And when I did it, I definitely felt that. I felt a bit more bonded with Paul and Ruben after we had slaughtered all those aliens together. And it was a real kind of team spirit. And, um, and I can see a lot of groups being interested in doing that, which brings me to my next question. Who is your target audience? Who is it for? And what are the different kind of experiences that people can have there? Mm -hmm. As I said, we think virtual reality is the future of entertainment, and we decided that we want to bring it to everyone. We want to bring virtual reality out of the living room of the gamer and bring it to all audiences. So that's why actually when you come to the park and, and the way we crafted this company from day one is that we wanted to build experiences that can inspire people from 7 to 77. That means we, we, we built a broad range of IP um, that is always destined to, 
to uh, different audiences. So there's games that uh, can inspire kids as of seven. There's obviously games where real gamers have a lot of fun, like re really competitive games. There's the classical zombie shooter, but when you talk to, uh, and, and, and space missions, which are maybe a little bit more male uh, skewed. There's um, there's a format that is based on a on a TV uh, show, which is typically a family format. So we really try to cater for all the uh, audiences uh, because we we really want to be a place where everyone uh, can come. And actually, if you look at our visitor figures, half of our visitors are women, and our average age is 31. Cool. I like those figures. I do think that, especially for, um, I know lots of companies are always looking for team building activities and stuff. And also what you said earlier about getting people into headsets, getting people experiencing it. It's one of the problems, I think, with XR and the metaverse is it's hard to describe if you haven't gone into it and, and seen what it feels like and what it sounds like and um, had that experience. And it's a really great way to get people over um, any kind of intimidation they might have about this future that is happening now, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. L like I said, we, we we make entering the metaverse as easy as entering a, a Starbucks. Um, it is a very, uh, for many people, is it is really something new and it's very difficult to uh, describe what virtual reality or mixed reality can do with you if you haven't had the goggles on. It's like explaining to somebody who has always used a fax what the possibilities of the internet are. I mean, you need to experience it to really understand what's it, what it's about. So this might be oversimplifying things, but if we could boil it down to three key components, hardware, software, and user experience, can you speak on how these intersect in your business and also how you manage quality control? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that's not simplified. I think, I think those are very core elements of our business model and um, well first of all hardware is is obviously something that has been evolving a lot um, i think we're now at our third or our first fourth set of hardware since we started we started with uh, the backpacks right the goggles that were linked to backpacks with cables and you have the backpacks on your back um, and the hardware has made a tremendous evolution um, even if the goggles are still quite heavy, um, they are in no way comparable anymore with what we had five years ago. And um, there's a gigantic speed in evolution. And we now actually, since, uh, since a year, went full mobile on the experiences, which means that when it comes to hardware, everything that you experience at the park is 100% processed on the goggles themselves. There's no wires anymore. There's no backpacks anymore. There's no streaming anymore. That has been an enormously important evolution for, for us when it comes to hardware because it makes the hardware, hardware operations much more simple. And it also gives us the opportunity to bring the experiences wherever we want. You can come to our venues, but we can bring all the experiences of the park to any location. Um, when it comes to software, um, we've actually chosen to develop our own IP as of day one. Um, and we did that because we truly believe that um, a company like ours uh, needs a certain scale to, 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 be, uh, to be a healthy company. And that's why we created our own IP. Actually, we, we, we do it together with a studio called Triangle uh, Factory. They are one of the leading studios when it comes to game development on Oculus. They, they recently launched Breachers, uh, which is a fantastic game. 
Um, and uh, they are also the creators of Hypertash, which is also a very popular game on, uh, on Oculus. So let's say when it comes to hardware, there's certainly a race to the bottom, right? Uh, it was very expensive. There was a lot to do. And what we see now is uh, prices going down. There's more and more uh, standards coming up. There's more and more devices that start looking like, like another. So that will surely be um, a race to the bottom in the sense of pricing, a race to, to more standard operations and a race to better experiences. When it comes to software, the word the world is at our the world is at our feet. I mean, there's so many possibilities. There's so much stuff that we can still create in entertainment and also in other stuff. Um, yeah, the, the, there's 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 tons to, to to do there. And then obviously, when it comes to customer experience, that is maybe a domain where people don't talk a lot about, but that is super important in what we do because we've now been talking all the time about time about the experience that is on the goggles and, and when you are in the experience. But when you talk about location-based uh, entertainment, we talk about the moment that you book online and that you come into the venue over uh, the, the plank that you did, then the group experience, then the, the drinks that you get at the bar. So that total customer journey should be one memorable experience. And that is something that we are working at very hard. It's a very it's an it's actually an aspect that that uh, is depending on technology, but that also is depending on, like for example, the host that you have. You talked about Connor in your introduction, a very good host, a very friendly guy. Uh, that's super important that that they that they that they get the philosophy of the company, obviously. And the way we try to uh, to work on that and to monitor that is 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 we built this company. 100% data-driven as of day one. So we we have measurement po points all along the way. We have it in the software. We have it in the experience. When you did mission plan at the, at the end of the experience, what did we ask you in the in the game itself? We asked you to give to give a score, right? To to tell us how your how your game was. We get continuous data feeds of customer feedback in the goggles themselves, uh, which help us making better games. Uh, and we do continuous monitoring, actually, of all the aspects of the customer journey. Super, super important. We want this to be a memorable experience, experience from the booking point until the moment that you leave uh, our venue and even after that. Well, it is. And the design of the venue is also really lovely. I personally felt really comfortable and very welcomed when I came in. And I know that I've had some experiences in the past uh, where I've walked into places and just was intimidated and thought, you know, even me as a futurist, like feeling like, oh, this isn't for me, you know, but this really felt inclusive and friendly and warm. So I definitely appreciate that as well as what you have to say about the hardware. Gosh, haven't we come so far in such a short amount of time? And actually, you know, does that ever, does that ever worry you that the hardware is moving fast so fast? I mean, is that a continual investment? Like, how do you handle that around expectations? I mean, as more people maybe own their own headset at home, what are your thoughts on that? Well, obviously the distribution of hardware is getting more uh, more, more spread and, and we're actually quite happy with that because uh, I think one of the, one of the main challenges uh, of, um, of what we do um, is explaining what we do. Um, there's a, there's a lot of people that that don't know yet that there exists some things like location-based entertainment and things like the park. 
I mean, everybody knows what an escape room is by now, or everybody knows what a bowling uh, is by now. But uh, what, what, what we do is not so known by people. So the more people that get headsets and that get introduced into the metaverse or extended reality, the better, actually, if you ask me. Now, does that mean that the possibilities um, in the venues will change? No, because there's two very important elements in that. One is there's one simple uh, technical element in it, and that is that we are always at the fr- we are always the front runners when it comes to the new technologies, the new hardware, and pushing the boundaries of those. Right? We work with HTC. We are in a continuous conversation, uh, obviously with the salespeople of HTC, but more more important with the innovation team of HTC because. We typically always ask them things that they have never realized before. And so we help them pushing the boundaries of the hardware in that sense. That's, 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 that's super important for us, also for them. So you will always experience stuff that, that is not yet available in the consumer market. And next to that, we will always deliver group experiences. So we will always deliver stuff that people need to come together to, uh, to, to do, right? And that is significantly different of the, of the extended reality experiences that you have at home that are at this moment mainly awesome. Yes. No, I love that. And you can definitely see that you guys are pushing the boundaries of innovation and what's next. And one example of that is the game Don't Scream. So I was actually really thrilled to realize that I was on the judging panel uh, that chose it as the best arts and entertainment solution in the 2023 XR Awards. So congratulations. I was well impressed. so can you tell us about the game and how it is unique from both a UX perspective as well as a technical one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously we were very honored with that, that award. So, so thanks and, and thanks to the whole jury. Um, what's so special about Don't Scream? Um, actually, it's, um, it's, uh, it's uh, an experience that we based on on a, on a TV show uh, that also is called Don't Scream. What, what is it? It is actually um, it is a escape roomish game, but in a haunted house environment. So you you it's, it's horror, and you you are in a in a haunted house. You need to do uh, some uh, you need to solve some puzzles to get out, um, and uh, it's special in in different ways. Um, first of all, when it comes to um, the technical aspect and and and, and the way it is constructed. It is uh, one of the first uh, games that was made uh, 100% on mobile VR. So w- without the backpacks, without uh, computers, without streaming, everything is processed on the on the goggles. And for that, we really pushed the boundaries of what is possible on a mobile device. That's the interaction what I talked about between the software development teams and the hardware. So that was one big one. Then the second one uh, is actually um, in the game uh, dynamics because, well, the title says don't scream, right? So uh, whatever you do in a game, it's best you don't scream because what happens is that we are recording your screams. And the more you scream, the lower your points go. So that's obviously a very fun and a very new dynamic in a game. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a very nice way of integrating the real customer feedback into the gameplay and into the game score. And actually, to, to, to tell you a bit uh, more about that or, or about my dreams, my dream is to create a game where we would actually measure your heartbeat and put that, in a sense, in, in the gameplay and, uh, I don't know, give you more points or less points when your heartbeat goes up, for example. 
we're not there yet, but that's a that's an idea I like. Very cool. I mean, even just in the shooting aliens game that I did, I definitely screamed a couple times. And I have a feeling that I probably wouldn't be very good at the don't scream game. I would probably be on the bottom for sure. (laughs) Um, When you were speaking just now, it reminded me, um, I've done some work with a group called Mind Play, uh, which uses brain waves. And I wonder if that's something you could even incorporate in at some point. Yeah, cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Absolutely. The possibilities are really exciting for, you know, it's, it's, it's as much as you can imagine, as creative as you can be, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So zooming out for a minute, where do you think location-based VR is in its life cycle? And where do you think it's headed and maybe when? Well, it had a bit of a right. Um, it started uh, about when we started. Uh, we started in 2018. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, in 2019, it was the, the new kid on the block and the, the thing that everyone needed to do. But then obviously the, the pandemic hit, hit, right? And um, we had two bad years. All of us in the industry had bad years, 2020, 2021. Um, and that made uh, that, well, that... That was obviously bad, but maybe that wasn't so bad for the industry because it it made a bit of a sh- uh, a, a shift in, in in players, and uh, I think the strong ones survived, and we uh, we are now at a point of healthy growth, if you ask me, where um, the location based VR players that invest in scale and then invest in IP can now gradually start growing and obviously not only growing themselves, but also growing the market. So I think we're not in the in the typical beginning of the hype cycle. I think we're typically going up. Uh, certainly not at the top yet. We have a lot of growth to go, um, but there's there's been some tough times uh, uh, the past years, that's for sure. I think the industry as a whole feels a lot more secure than it did yeah. six years ago, five years ago, you know, and... Um, I, I mean, congratulations for surviving the pandemic. I know that location-based experiences in general, um, had a difficult time, but your point that so many people were at home on a computer, I know lots of people who took up gaming, who had never gamed before, lots of people bought a headset and were going to concerts and trying out new things. And I think that thirst for wanting to experience the metaverse firsthand has just grown and is continuing to grow. And I think also for people who've had a taste of it, it you want to come back, you want to do it again, you know? So I think, um, I think it is just going to grow. I agree. I agree. And I think the, um, I think if I look at, um, at risks and, and at opportunities or at possibilities. I think the risks for us as, a, as an industry in general, the XR industry uh, in general, is um, we should be creating real propositions. We should be creating really customer value propositions and not products. That's maybe the mistake that we as an industry have at certain moments made, made too much, like delivering Products that are that maybe have cool technical features, right? But that 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 are mainly a developer's world and and not really responding to customer needs. And the, what the pandemic in any channel, in any case gave us was a lot of customer inf, in in inflow and a lot of new customers in that could give us that that feedback to be developing real customer value propositions. 
Um, so I think uh, if we can get away from those, um, yeah, that product focus and those cartoonish uh, environment with, with people without legs and stuff like that, and, but think about really value propositions for customers, um, we are in a, in a good place. And what my, what my biggest hope is for the industry um, is actually that we're seeing big players coming in that know how to build propositions. And obviously I'm talking about Apple and about the announcements they made. And for me, the, the most important thing of the announcement that they made was not necessarily the product that they announced, but the fact that they said, we are entering the era of spatial computing. And with that, they actually said, um, they didn't use the word metaverse or whatever, but what they said was, we truly believe that we will be creating customer value propositions, um, that we will create tools for a whole uh, world of uh, developers and creatives that will create a new era of entertainment and a new era of possibilities in this era of spatial computing. And that's why it is so strong because they, will, they are now creating the tools for all the creative people and the, and the development companies to make new stuff that we, that we don't know yet now. And obviously we will also be looking at the new possibilities that that, that, that will be. I just recently wrote a report for a, a gaming company about the intersection of AI and part of it included virtual production and looking at virtual production and where film is at and with VFX and uh, special effects and all that kind of stuff. And it seems to me like we are really entering this kind of renaissance of a new wave of entertainment and a new way of storytelling that we're just starting to scratch the surface and start to imagine. But there is this kind of convergence of all these industries coming together. And I think the, like I said before, the creative possibilities here are how big can you imagine, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the face of the initial, uh, the initial IDs uh, is past now. Eh? And the face of, okay, there's maybe a thousand things that we could do in the metaverse. Uh, and we were all doing them because we, are, we were, uh, we were uh, in a pandemic. That face is gone. And of those thousand IDs, consumers now tell us like, okay, Hundred of them are cool to do, and the nine hundred others are not really uh, a real good proposition. And that's that's the good phase to be in because now we will be working on on one hundred relevant uh, customer value propositions. And companies like Apple are giving us the tools to create it in, in, in a customer friendly way. And you sort of just touched on my next question, which is, what are some of the biggest challenges of this kind of a venture? And anything that you know now that you wish you knew before? Well. Um... Uh, as I said, I think the biggest challenge for us and also for other um, companies in the location-based uh, virtual reality space is that the concept itself is not known yet so so uh, so well. Uh, so there's uh, if you do market research, there's still a lot, a lot, a lot of people that don't know exactly what they can expect from a company like the park or for, from a concept like location-based virtual reality. On the other hand, that's obviously also a very big opportunity yeah? uh, because the more people we get in, the more people uh, that will hear about us because actually 66% of the people that come to the park come through word of mouth. So that's a challenge. Um, I think uh, learnings uh, from the past, 
Yeah, we had we had a we had a few. Yeah, we had a few. We we made, we made quite some mistakes, but that's good if you ask me because um, that means we 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 tried some stuff and we learned. Uh, maybe a, a maybe a, um, an obvious one. We um, we came to the UK and we tried to. Uh, so originally we are based in uh, in Belgium. We came to the UK and uh, we did that with a very European uh, uh, mindset. Um, that was not not the right thing to do. We really, even if we're talking virtual experiences, you do need local teams. You do need uh, boots on the ground to uh, to get trains going, and and that's why actually it took us a bit longer than we expected to um, to be in the UK. And then we also actually uh, in we. Uh, we, we, we are still a quite young company. And in the beginning, we were also looking at the United States, like everyone does when you look at uh, entertainment. Um, but uh, we quickly learned that at that stage, we were still too young uh, to look at that, which doesn't mean that we won't go to the United States. Uh, but we will, we're focusing much better than we do. And what is next for the park? We are actually working on two domains uh, with this company. Um, you, one domain is obviously um, scale. So uh, we are a location-based um, uh, company. We are a location-based concept. So it means that location is an important element of our growth. We're now very heavily investing in um, in, uh, in the UK. We're also looking at the rest of Europe and at the Middle East for as next areas uh, to further develop. Now, on the other hand, on the other axis is obviously uh, the area of further diversification. Now. The big advantage that we have in in in, uh, in virtual reality, also in mixed reality, is that um, the tools, the hardware that we use, is a very powerful engine on which we can bring you to whatever environment we want. You were hunting, uh, you were doing a space mission. We can serve you other entertainment on those goggles, but we can also deliver you all kinds of other virtual reality uh, experiences. And as they grow, the, the the range of opportunities for us as a company only grows. So that is obviously an area of diversification where we will also grow with the industry and we will also be delivering other kinds of experiences of virtual reality experiences to our customers. Very cool. That's exciting. So looking at the bigger picture of the whole XR industry for a minute, what is your biggest fear for the future of this industry? And then what is your biggest hope? Yeah, I, I think I kind of said it a bit before. The, the fear or the thing we come to is being building uh, products instead of propositions and focus too much on, uh, on the development of the hardware and, and remain this developer's work. That's, that's, that's my fear, which I think won't happen because you do see um, that the industry has grown up and has, has, uh, has, uh, is, is past that first stage. And my hope is, is, is that whole era of spatial computing is uh, the fact that um, um, there's tools delivered that, that, that give us possibilities that we cannot imagine yet today. That's great. And finally, how can listeners get involved and where can they be in touch and follow you? Well, I would say um, the best way to get involved, obviously, is to visit one of the venues of the park. So. We're in uh, Belgium, Netherlands, UK, and Australia. Um, so uh, you can find our uh, locations on uh, theparkplayground.com. And you can obviously also follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, we have a LinkedIn page and on all other social media. So 
please get in touch with us. Also, if you would want, if somebody on the uh, on, of the listeners would be interested in um, starting a business themselves, we are franchising the concept as we speak to um, to uh, entrepreneurs that want to invest in virtual reality or mixed reality. So also there's, there's tons of opportunities to work together. Nice. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for your time today. It was a pleasure to speak with you. And I'm a big fan of the venues and the vision. And I can't wait to come back and try it again soon. Yeah, please come back anytime, anytime. Thank you. And thank you all so much for listening. This has been XR Star. I'm your host, futurist Amelia Coleman. Oh, no.